Hi everyone, I'm Brittany Ashley and welcome back to Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead, the podcast where each episode I interview a member of the Dead Moms Club and then talk about pop culture's representation on parental loss. It's weird to say I have a favorite episode of this podcast because that sounds really fucked up and morbid, but this episode with my friend Brianna Bird was so hard to edit in the best way possible. Brie lost both of her parents, suddenly to heart attacks, within five months of each other. I was 17 when my dad died. I was just about to graduate high school, so that happened in April of 2006, and then my mom died five months later in September. Me and my father were kind of having issues about me going to college. I had applied to only one school. I wanted to go to Columbia College of Chicago. It was the only school I applied to. And it was it was just what I wanted. You couldn't tell me nothing. I wanted to go to that school. I remember that the Christmas, the year before he died, we got into like a huge argument about um, where I would go to college. And I was like, I'm gonna go to this school. And he was like, no, you're gonna stay home. You're gonna go to school. And you're gonna go to Wayne State University and you're gonna be a teacher and like drive a bus to make money on the side. I was like, uh, do you know who your daughter is? Like, that's not my life. Like, that's not who I wanna be. I'm, I wanted to be like a sex in the city girl. Like, that's what I wanted. And so I was like, no, like, that's not what I want. And we just got into like a huge blowout during Christmas. Like I was very, very angry with him. And I started like sneaking behind his back to like go to that school. So like I applied, I had two jobs. I saved the money for the deposit. I had to call my school to find out that I got in because I didn't know that I got in because I learned later after he died that he hid my my acceptance letter in uh, the basement. He hid it. That weekend that he died, I was um, I was taking my first road trip by myself to go visit my best friend uh, at the time up at University of Michigan. She was in her first semester there. And the secret story was that weekend, I was supposed to be going to Chicago to go to my college to take a look to see if I like liked it and everything. Of course, I was going to like it at Chicago. It's not Michigan. Of course, I'm going to love it. So that was the plan. But at the last minute, our plan fell through. So I come home from school that day. My parents had just bought a house too, like about two years before 2006. So I was going up to my loft and I was going to be leaving after I got home. So I saw that he had left me like pocket money. He left me like $200 for shopping. He gave me permission to take my mom's car. He got the oil changed for me. He filled it up with gas. So I was like, good to go. And he just was like sending me off. So I was okay. And like, we had spoken for a hot second. He was like, you know, there's money. If you need more, use the card. Like, you're good to go. And I was like, okay, cool. Bye. Like, see you around. And um, then I had a letter randomly from my best friend and he had opened it and I was like dad oh like why do you gotta open my mail like oh you suck so I am upstate in the University of Michigan with my best friend and I'm like oh yeah like this is so cool I can be by myself like I love college like this is great and you know we like drank and had a lot of fun and like it was just a good weekend by myself like on my own because as an only child you don't get to have that my parents were very my mother was like very like 
what are you doing? I'm kind of clingy. You're the only one I've got. Be careful. <laughs> I'm at the American Apparel Store, the first one I ever went to. I spent all my money on random clothes. And um, I get a phone call from my mom. And she was like, hey, where are you? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm in Ann Arbor and stuff. Like, you know, just chilling out, having fun. And she was like, okay, I need you to like wrap it up and come home a little bit early. Like, cause I was going to leave like later that night. But she was like, I need you to come home a little bit early because I had an asthma attack and I'm at the hospital. And I was like, oh, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, just like, you know, get here, you know, like, and I was like, okay, like I'll get there. And in my head, I was like, oh, I got to get home. Cause my dad, like he wasn't, good at hospitals like my mama had an asthma attack like before and he was like not good at talking to doctors and stuff so I was like I gotta go home and handle this I gotta go talk to these doctors because my dad doesn't know how to talk to doctors so like in my head I'm like okay like let me get home to my mom like let me make sure she's good so I am driving down to get to the hospital in Michigan it was about two hours away because she's in Arbor and I'm in Clinton Township Michigan and I get to the hospital park my car. I'm like, okay, like, where's mom? Like, let's figure this out. So I am walking. I always remember my mom, she was wearing like this, like weird denim jacket with like cowboy boots on it. I was like, this is weird. Why are you wearing that? And, um, you know, I looked at her and I was like, hey, like, why aren't you in a hospital bed? Like, I thought you had an asthma attack. And she like always does this thing when like anything really crazy happens. She like holds on to my arm, gives you some like news. And she's just like, hey, um, your dad died. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, like your your dad died. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Like, he was just here this week and I just spoke to him this morning. Like, what do you mean? You could tell that she just did not know what to do at that moment. And like, I didn't even know how to process. But immediately when I realized that he was dead, I was like, oh my God, this is my fault. I killed him. And it was because of all this stress about me going to college. Like, I felt that I was just so adamant about going to this like private art school. Like it's expensive. And I know that he was concerned about that. So I immediately was just like, I did this. This is my fault. Like I did this. And I go into the room to go like have a moment with him. Cause he's, you know, he died at the house. Um, and you know, like they had his body laid out and everything like in a hospital gown and stuff. And, I just like was alone with him. I closed the door and I just like burst into tears because I was just like, I'm so sorry. Like I did this, like, this is my fault. Like I should have listened to you. Like I should have just stayed. Like, I can't believe this. Like I didn't get to even know you. Like I felt like we were just starting to get along kind of like I did this and I just, I don't remember what I said to him. I think I just said like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he like looked so peaceful, like he was asleep. Like he had this tube in his mouth and I was like, why is this tube there? Take it out. Like, like, why is this happening? Like I, if it's like a dream world, you're like in a room with your dead parent. It's like, this is the last time you're gonna see them. Like, holy shit. Yeah, it's just so weird thinking about it that like, you know, that you get to like have that moment alone with the parent. And like, I said so many things that are like, what was happening at that time but like in hindsight when you're like older it's like 
so many more things could have been said, but like you get the chances to see them when they're in the casket and stuff. And that was so raw. And like, that was just such a moment where I felt that I killed him because I was being a selfish brat and I wanted what I wanted. And it was really crazy. I remember that night we went back to our condo. It was very quiet without him there. We had to do a lot of things that we weren't used to. Like that night, it was, a, it was a Sunday night, and Monday they pick up the trash. I never had to worry about the trash. So that night, I was like, we have to take out the trash. And we were like, wait, where's the trash can? Like, we don't know where it is. Like, And so I had to like, take out the trash. Like, cause it's like, these things still have to move on. Like we still have to move forward. His bathroom was off the garage and I remember like walking in from taking the trash out and he had like his robe still there and I just remember seeing it and just like falling apart. It doesn't sink in that someone's dead until like, it's just like, wow, you're never gonna see that person again. Like, and it just was so weird because he was just such this like presence. Like he knew what he liked. He liked his music, he played it loud, didn't like a lot of noise that wasn't by his choice. He was ornery and like such a fucking adult. He looked very happy, like in his casket. It was a very weird thing, but he was, he looked very, very good. That was, and I just felt very at peace with that. And that's how I remember him. Like, I remember him just like being this like happy man. Like, I just remember it, but he was mean, but happy. Like he liked what he, he liked doing what he liked to do. And so I just, I really, it's, I have peace with that. Like I have peace with him. You know, the next day I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to school. My mom was like, no, you're not. <laughs> She's like, you need to process this. And I told her that I felt that I had guilt about killing dad. And she was like, no, it was a heart attack. And I was like, no, it was me. It was the stress about college. And so she was like, we're going to get you a therapist because I'm not having you carry this guilt for the rest of your life. And I was like, okay, I guess as a black family, we don't do therapy. Like it's not a thing to do therapy, but like, I'm very glad that she made me go talk to someone. And I'm the kind of person when it comes to grief, I like want to maintain my routine. Like I want to go back to school. I want to do it. But the thing is, is that when you go back to school and you have a parent that just died, people do not know what to what to say. I will always remember that there was a guy named Joe Alcurry and he was like, I'm sorry your dad died. I wish my brother died instead of your dad. I was like, oh my God. why would you say that? Like, that's so fucking weird. But, you know, and so like they give you, you know, teachers give you cards and they're like, are you okay? Like, let me help you process this. And I was like, I'm fine. Like, thank you. And then, you know, then anger starts to roll in slowly. And you're just like, oh, look at all these kids with their parents and their dads are going to show up at graduation. And my dad's not. And I just, you get this, you go through the stages. I think I went through the stages in a very weird way. Like sometimes I'd be very angry and sometimes I'd just be like very sad. He died in April. So I had my first Father's Day um, soon after in June. I hated Tiger Woods that year. Tiger Woods had a Nike commercial about his dad. I fucking hated Tiger Woods. I was like, fuck you and your dad, Tiger Woods. You're old. You had your dad for a long time. Fuck you. You don't know life. Like, I was just so angry at Tiger Woods. 
yeah, my, my dad died and then I graduated high school. And before the whole, before my dad died, I had applied to that college, um, Columbia College of Chicago. I applied there. My mother really wanted me to go to that school. She wanted me to go to whatever school I wanted to, but she had told me, hey, like, you know, I want you to go to the school. Your father doesn't. We might get a divorce because of this. Um, but, you know, like, you're going to go to the school. You're going to do what you want to do. And I was like, okay. It was just sort of a shock to me um, that she had said that. I was like, you guys are going to get a divorce. Like, it's just college. It's not a big deal. But, like, he was so, like, adamant about me not going. And it's really symbolic because that was the year the cart industry went to shit. And my dad worked for Chrysler for 25 years. So I think, like, I just, in hindsight, when you think about it, he was concerned. Like, he probably knew that, like, his hours were going to be cut or something. He just was concerned about making a way for me to go to that school. I had snuck off and paid my deposit fee for my dorm housing. And he never knew that. He never knew that I like worked my two jobs and saved my money. I took my money to a coin star to do it. I did it behind his back, like in February. He had no idea. I think if he had known that, he'd be very proud. Um, Cause he'd be like, you know, you did it. You weren't like, I think my parents were concerned about me being an only child that I wouldn't try hard to get the things that I wanted. But like, they were fucking wrong. Like I go hard for the things that I want and I get very tunnel vision about what I want. So essentially with him being dead, there was no stopping me from going to that school anymore. Like it just sort of was the, it's just like, okay, well, you're going to go to college now. And you know, there's no one to give you any pushback. We were going through his paperwork and things because we had to like deal with his estate. I found that he had hidden my acceptance letter I found out that he had hid my newspaper. I was the senior, I was a, um, a, the lead columnist in the school newspaper. I had a column called Word from the Bird. And I wrote about like boys and like stupid stuff and like just like how to tell an aunt that you hate her Christmas present. I found out that he hid all my articles. And I was like, when I, when I found all the things that he hid, I was like, oh my God, like, he was um, a very kind of emotionally closed off man, man, but like seeing the effect that he hid these things that he like treasured them and kept them away in a box like really meant a lot to me. It's August, I'm getting ready to go off to college. My mom, I was getting her prepared for me going off to college. I was very much so like, hey, like it's just gonna be you. I wanna make sure you're okay. Like, and we got so close during that time because I was a mama's girl. Like I was very close to her. Like it was sort of like kind of us against dad because like he was just this like, we have to save money and we have to like, we, we shouldn't eat out as much. But like me and my mom would go eat out all the time. We'd like hide the Tupperwares and stuff from like famous days so he'd never see it. And we just were very like, dad's not cool. He's He wants to take the phone away. But now in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, he was so responsible. Like, oh my God, he's meal prepping. He believes in meal prep. He was before his time. We drove up there. She, I stayed, I had my apartment ready on campus and she was staying at the Hotel Blake in Chicago. I, um, I don't know why I remember that detail. We were just sort of like getting my dorm room figured out. We were like decorating it and making it cute and stuff. And it just was, it was a fun time. And like, 
I was just always like kind of preparing her of, of like, you know, hey, I'm going to be gone. Like, you know, you got to like make sure you get all the groceries out of the car. Don't forget that you left stuff in the trunk. Like you got to like make sure you lock the door and all that. Like I just really wanted her to be okay. It was the last night before she left. And so I sp spent the night with her. Um, and, you know, we just like were talking and we both just went to sleep. The next day um, we were outside of my dorm Plymouth Court and I remember um I just remember that day so clearly but like it's a red parking zone you can't park there but she did because she didn't pay attention to rules I remember like hugging her I remember just like hugging her very very tightly like just for some like for some reason I just was like I could not stop hugging her and like I was the one two days later telling her you be okay like you'll be fine without me like did it like just sort of like stealing her for being by herself. But I was like, holy shit, I'm gonna be by myself. I'm freaking out. And I just held on to her so tightly. Like, and I just started crying for some reason. Like, I don't know why, but I just was like, I'm gonna miss you. Like, I'm gonna miss you so much. And, you know, like, she was like, I'm gonna miss you too and stuff. And I was like, bye, I'll call you, you know, call me when you get home and stuff. And she was like, okay. And she like left and, um, it's just it's just so weird why I got so emotional because like that was the last time I ever touched her I ever held her whenever I get emotional now when I like hug someone I'm like oh my god are you gonna die like I freak out I'm like why am I so emotional like is my body telling me something but like I just didn't know that like that was gonna be the last time I touched her like it's so surreal to think about so you know it's it's college time I've got classes going on and everything um I'm two weeks into college. For some reason, I get um, a Marilyn, you know, those piercings. So you get like, you're basically your face pierced. And I called my mom and she had been like hanging out with my aunt Diane or whatever. And like, they had been drinking. And like, I told her, I was like, hey mom, I got a piercing. And she was like, cool, whatever. Cause she was a little drunk. And I was like, good. I'm glad that she was like drunk when I told her that, like, this is good. The next day I call her and I was like, hey mom, like, how you doing? And uh, she was like, I'm good. And I was like, oh yeah, like, thanks for being so cool about the piercing. And she was like, what? And I was like, the piercing. She was like, you got a piercing? And I was like, you don't remember I told you last night? And she was like, no, she like blew up at me. She was like, you got a piercing? How are you gonna get a job? What are you doing? You're going crazy. And I was like, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. Like, uh, like I can do whatever I want to do. Like you're not here. Like I just was very like being a shitty kid at that time. Cause like, I was just like, I'm a grown, I'm a grown woman. I live in Chicago. Like it was that kind of a situation. And, um, so I remember I was across the way in the dorm in my friend's room. And I was like, let me go call my mom. So I called my mom and, um, I was like, Hey, I'm sorry that I got a piercing and stuff. And she was like, it's okay. And I was like, I want you to see it. And so um, I was trying to get her to sign on to my Facebook account because that's when Facebook just started and you had to have a college ID to get in, not just a free for all like it is now. I remember trying to get her to sign on to it. She does not know how to work computers well. So like it never happened. She was never able to like see the piercing. And um, that night we're on the phone and um we're just talking and just sort of like catching up with what's been going on it's like the conversation's dying down and everything and so i'm just like okay well you know i'm gonna like head to bed and stuff and you should too and she was like okay and then i just hear her say oh boy just the words oh boy and i was like 
okay, well, night, mom. I hang up the phone because I assume that she had fallen asleep on the phone. Because she she did that. My mom would fall asleep on the phone a lot. So it wasn't unlike me to think that she had fallen asleep. But I guess when she said, oh boy, she had she started having her heart attack. And then I had hung up the phone and I went to bed that night. The next day I woke up and I was getting ready to go to class, but I was like, let me call and like make sure she, you know, she's good and stuff. And I call the, I call her phone and I think like the line is busy or something. I can't get through. And then I call her cell phone and like no answer. And I'm just like, okay, that's a little weird. Like she should be answering like a phone or something. I go to my first class and I call back again and I'm just like, okay, this is weird. Let me call my cousin to go check on her. My cousins basically end up going to the house. The doors are locked, her car is still in the driveway. Essentially, like, they basically break in through the garage, they kick the door down to go, um, to go see if she's okay, and, um, that's when they find her body. They, like, didn't tell me anything at the time, but they have to call the ambulance to come, um, you know, to come get the body. And so I will always remember this moment. I was leaving out of one of my classes, I was right in Chicago, I was right underneath the train tracks of my college. It was off of Congress. And I remember the train tracks were going down. I called my house. I finally get the, you know, I get like the rings finally, cause it's not busy anymore. And a man answers. And I was like, who is this? Who, wh- why are you answering my mother's phone? And he was like, who is the, and I, he was like, I'm the EMS, who's this? And I'm like, I'm like, that's my mother. Like, you know, I'm, I'm Lisa Bird's daughter. And he was like, oh, you're, you're her daughter. And I was like, yeah. And then like, he was about to tell me what happened, but my cousins grabbed the phone from him and they were like, everything's good. And I was like, why is EMS there? And they're like, oh, like, you know, she just like sort of had like, she choked on a chicken bone. That's what they told me. They told me that she had choked on a chicken bone. And I was like, okay, like, is she okay? And they're like, yeah, 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 she's fine. And I was like, okay, uh, it just was it was just very weird and then i remember getting back into my dorm and i just suddenly had this feeling of like something's off this isn't this isn't normal like i feel very off in the universe right now and i like i'm calling my family and they're like oh yeah you know like she's in the hospital and stuff like she's okay and, da, 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 and i'm like and and in hindsight i'm like okay like okay good she's okay like that's good like that's that's fine but like she was she was gone and they did not know how to handle telling me that because they had never been in a situation where they have their you know like a family member lose a parent especially like their niece these these are my aunts and uncles they made this decision because a rule in my family is that you don't tell people bad news away you wait until they get with family you wait until they're like near you so my um, uncle calls me and he's like, hey, you know, we're going to come grab you. You know, we're going to come pick you up and bring you home because, you know, your mom wants to see you. And I was like, OK, great. I just I knew, but like I had to believe what they were telling me, I guess. But something in me ultimately just was like I just felt like that spirit leave me. Like I just felt like very, very off. My uncle comes to get me. They make it to me in like record speed. Like it takes them three hours to get to me. It, t- it takes four and a half to get to Chicago. I was like, how the fuck did you, what laws did you break to get me? <laughs> I'm in the car. 
I have my bags with me and stuff. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be home for, but I pack. They haven't told me that she's dead yet, but I'm starting to just like, I feel like my uncle looks upset. And we were in, we were um, driving through Indiana. We stopped to get gas. And like, all of a sudden, like, you know, they're just talking to me about like how school's going and stuff. And I'm just like, she's dead, isn't she? And they were like, kind of shocked that I was so blunt about it. He just, you know, I remember him like holding my arms and stuff. And he just was like, you know, yeah, like that's what happened. And and he was like, she had a heart attack. And I just was like, very, very, very pissed. Like I held some resentment towards my uncle Jerry for a very long time about that. Cause I just was like, why didn't you tell me? Like, why, like why, but it's like, put yourself in their shoes. Like this is like their niece who just lost a dad five months ago. And now she lost a mom. Like, holy shit. Like that's some lifetime movie shit. Like it's crazy. So I, you know, I, I get to the house, I get to my, um, my, my aunt's house and, you know, everyone's just like, you know, like, are you okay? Like, are you, how are you doing? And I'm just like, I'm fine. And I was more so worried about everyone else. I didn't really think about myself. I was like, you know, you just lost a sister. How are you doing? People are like, no, you just lost a mom. This is a bigger deal. How are you doing? And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, cause I just was putting on a face because I knew that she wouldn't want me to fall apart. Cause when my, when my grandfather died like 10 years previous, when at his funeral, I like fell apart because I was like my father figure. And I remember her taking me out and she was like, Hey, we don't do that. Like you gotta, you gotta reel it in. Like you can't be all emotionally crazy like that. Like you have to like be strong for people. You have to like put up a good face and stuff. Like you can't lose it like that. And so that is what I did. Like I held up a strong face. I didn't lose it because she wouldn't want me to do that. She would want me to be strong. The funny thing is that uh, my piercing got infected. So I feel like she cursed that from the beyond. She was like, no daughter of mine's gonna have a piercing on her face. So um, not only did I have to deal with like, you know, choosing casket colors and stuff, I had to go to the doctor to get the piercing pulled out of my face and get a tetanus shot. And it was my first shot that I got like without my mom being there. And I was like, oh yeah, this is some adult shit now. Like this is, I remember being in the hospital um, like kind of like laughing hysterically and then crying with my cousin Nikki because here I am having to get a tetanus shot for a piercing that my mother did not want. And we just were like, she did that. Like she made sure that you didn't have a piercing. And I was like, mom, why? It's so cute. We know we have the funeral. I go up and say words. Um, I did that for my father's funeral too. I didn't like freak out or cry or anything, but, and I don't remember what I said, but people were like, what you said was very peaceful and eloquent and everything. And I was like, that's cool. Cause I don't remember anything. I think I like totally shut down. I just was making sure that everybody was okay. And when it was time to close the caskets at black funerals, this is the moment when like mad drama happens. Like people run up and they crawl on it. And like, they just sort of like freak out. And I was like, we're not having that at this funeral. This is a classy affair. And I was very composed when they, when they closed the casket down and everything. You follow out when the casket's being like wheeled out. So you follow it. And I remember I was directly behind it because I'm like the only one left. And then I have like, I have my niece. Uh, She's right 
by my side and like she's crying and stuff and like you know everyone else is behind me but like I am just this like strong face like I am there's this gorgeous blue casket and my mother is in it and everyone is looking at me and it is just such a crazy thing and like I have these very classy tears rolling down my face like not freaking out or anything but like inside I was just like wow it was like at that moment I was like after taking care of everything I was like yo my mom's dead she's gone I'm never gonna laugh with her again and that is when I kind of like lost it a little bit but I was still very composed and I remember seeing her uh you know seeing her casket get put into the hearse and it just it like and to this day I have kind of a visceral reaction when I see hearses like I I kind of freak out when I see hearses because like I know what that represents like they're they're going they're gone it just was very it was just so it was just so sad like how everything how how it all happened like it just was very there are no words when you know that happens you know like your mom is gone like that person who like gave birth to you like they're gone and it's just such a connection like I know I have friends who are not close to their mothers at all but I felt like a piece of my soul was like stripped from me like it's all this this shit that we'll never get to do like we'll never get to like when I turn 21 we'll never get to have wine together I'll never get to like tell her about like you know college and stuff like I'll never get the chance to like you know have her see me get married I'll never like you know she won't be there to help me raise my kid like she won't be there like that's a big part and it was just gone carried away in a blue casket all that essence all of her is just gone it's just yeah man it's just fucked up If it wasn't for my recent rewatch of Dawson's Creek, I might not have found the common threads between Bree and Joey Potter. There were some obvious differences, like Joey's dad was in jail, she had an older sister to help take care of her, and she was dumb enough to date Dawson like 12 times. But there's also a ton of similarities between the two smart, determined women, which I'll get to shortly. Joey Potter was played by Katie Holmes. Joey was smart, cynical, and charming, and she called out the patriarchy every chance she got, so naturally, I found her super dreamy. When she was 13, her mom Lillian died of breast cancer, right around the same time that her father Mike got put in prison for trafficking 10,000 pounds of weed. Joey worked all throughout high school to try and help pay for the house's finances and to help pay for the prospect of college, and on top of that, she was the class valedictorian of her high school. Joey's mom's death is brought up rarely throughout the series, but is wholly embedded into her life. In season two, episode 19, Rest in Peace, right after Abby Morgan dies, Joey's actually afraid to attend the funeral because she doesn't want it to bring back bad memories of her own mom's funeral. None of her friends even seemed to realize that could be a possibility of triggering her. And then in the episode right before Joey's about to graduate, her sister Bessie gives her a letter from her mom that she wrote for this occasion. And please bear with me as I read it. It's kind of long, but kind of goes along with this episode, so I'm going for it. My darling Joey, 
I know if you're reading these words, it means you've graduated from high school. Congratulations, sweetheart. You didn't have a lot growing up. You even have been shortchanged one mother. But still, I want you to be proud of your family. If our striped has caused you pain, remember that it also makes you strong. Of all the things my illness has robbed me of, I count the greatest of them watching you grow up. You're barely 13 now, still a young girl, and so I'm left to imagine the woman you've become. Strikingly beautiful, I'm sure, and equally unaware of it. Quick-witted and strong-willed, possessing the deep, soulful eyes of an artist, and a shy smile that regularly betrays the tough facade you do your best to keep up. If any of this sounds remarkably on the nose, it's because it's the girl you always were, Joey, and it's the woman you'll always be. Wherever you decide to go when you leave, remember your days in Capeside fondly and keep close those who shared your childhood. They will always love you in a way no one else can, and they will always be with you, just as I love you and will always be with you. Love, Mom. As you listen to the rest of this episode, you'll hear similar threads. For the end of this segment, I'll leave you with a moment where Pacey is so much better than Dawson in every way possible. For context, Dawson tried to give Joey this really tacky bracelet, but Pacey recognizes that it's not Joey's style and that the bracelet that actually suits her more belonged to her mom. This is you. It's not showy or gaudy. Simple. Elegant. Beautiful. My mom's bracelet. I know. How do you know? Well, because you told me. Six months ago. You were wearing that uh, blue sweater, the snowflakes that you have. You were walking down the hallways at school. I was annoying you as per <laughs> usual. I said, look, Basie. Just found my mother's bracelet this morning, so why don't you cut me some slack? Remember that? I remember everything. So do you think that college helped you move forward? Hell yes. Absolutely. So I had a goal. I had a I did not want to stay home in Michigan because Michigan, no offense to my home state, but like it ain't a pretty place to be these days. And I know that I would have been in it. I probably would be pregnant with I, I probably I'd probably be miserable if I was still back home in Michigan. So after my mom died, I um, I was there taking care of the estate and like the house and stuff. And I went back to school early. I went to school for a J session. I took the history of AIDS and television. And I went to school early because I had missed a semester um, because of my mom. Um, But I was able to go back early and I just like went hard in the paint for my classes. I did. And I graduated on time with everyone else, even though I had missed a semester. College was everything to me because like this is the thing I fought very hard to go to that school like at the time I was like I killed my father to go to that school but like I didn't I didn't it wasn't that thing but like it was what I needed college was the best distraction it really was because I was able to focus I was able to like 
do so well. I graduated with like a 3.4. I was the shittiest high school student. I graduated with like a 2.8, but I had really good extracurriculars. So that's why I was able to like get into college. The reason why my father was so concerned was he was like, you're a shitty student. Like, how are you going to go to college and do well? When you have to pay for college, you do real damn well. Like, because that's what I did. I had to pay for my classes and stuff. And I did very, very well. Like, it was so great. I loved it. I was able to, like, be, you know, this girl figuring it out and stuff. I was able to, like, have fun and, like, do reckless college shit. Like, lap dances and drinking too much and stuff. Like, it was really, really fun. I loved college. It was great. The first therapist I ever went to was the one my mom made me go to. And she helped me go through, she helped me do that. But I worked through that guilt in a way by excelling in school. Like, that's what I did. Like, I was like, okay, he would want me to do well in school. And it was sort of like a way to prove him wrong because he was just like, he was a very, my father was a man that like would provoke you to like do better. Like he would, I remember he came to a tennis match one time and he was like, oh, you're not going to beat that girl. I beat that girl's ass to the ground. Like if my father said that I couldn't do something, I was like, nah, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it with heels on. Like, fuck you, dad. Like I, he challenged me, but like it was a, it spurs me on. Like it makes me like try harder when someone says I can't do it. So I know that he didn't want me to go to that college, but the thing is, is that like I I did and I did very, very well. I think that he was more so, he was going to miss me. Like, that's the thing. Like, he was going to kind of, because I was the first baby. I was his, you know, his last baby. And I was actually doing things like the proper way. Like, I had my half brother and half sister. They like stayed home and stuff. Like, they, um, they're still in Michigan. I was the one that was going to be leaving the coop. Like, so he was just like kind of he was just emotional about that. And he really couldn't express that emotion. He couldn't tell me that he was like, oh, the reason I don't want you to go to that school is because I'll miss you, baby girl. Like we never had that gushy moment. And so it just left a lot of ambiguity with my relationship with my father, like how he felt about me. There were so many unanswered questions. Like I, to this day, like, I just have to take into the, into peace that like, he loved me. Like he was crazy about me that he loved me, but he just didn't show it in the way that I show it. I'm very expressive. I'm in touch with my emotions. My father's an Aquarius. You know, Aquariuses, they don't know how to express emotions. And he wasn't raised to be a lovey-dovey dude, but I was like a lovey, cause I'm a cancer. Like I am just, I am nothing but a ball of emotions. So like, I hate to bring in Zodiac stuff. I do. I feel so LA, but um, it's the truth. Like that's how he was. He was very like tough, but I kind of, there's a song by the Beatles called She's Leaving Home. My father was very into jazz and there's this artist named Al Jarreau who took the cover of that Beatles song and he sang it. And my mother, she told me after he died, she told me that he made her listen to that song because it was how he felt about me leaving home. And I listened to it and I can't listen to that song to this day because I bawl into tears because like one of the lyrics is like, you know, how could she leave us? Like we gave her everything. Like she's gone. She's gone. It's just so sad. I was like, no, I'm not gone, dad. I'm, I'm still here. Like I'm just away. So just like, it makes me like just want to like hug him. Like it just makes me like miss him so much 
more to like know those like little hidden things about him like to know that he had the song that he tied to me leaving for college so you started to go to therapy after your father passed away did you continue to go to therapy after your mom passed away no what happened after my mom passed away i sort of like i did not want to be alone i was very scared about being alone because like if i was alone it would really be like hey, you're this girl, you're Brianna, but you are all alone in the world. You don't have parents. You're not that close to your family. Like, you're alone. So I clung to this relationship that I had with, like, this this guy that I was with. And I, in that relationship, he was, you know, emotionally and verbally and, like, a little dash of physically abusive. And I kind of, like, lost myself into, like, being this person's girlfriend. I lost myself into, like, being a student. I did not process my feelings about losing my parents because I had lost myself in that relationship. I lost like all of my, I kind of lost my spirit in a way. Like my, my best friend used to always tell me that she always remembers me in the dorms, like the weeks before my parents, my, the week before my mom died, I was jumping up and down on my bed, dancing to uh, the song by Lupe Fiasco called I Gotcha. And she just remembers me jumping up and down on my bed and like dancing and having a great time. And I was not that girl anymore. Like I, I wasn't, I lost that girl. That was not who I was after this relationship. And then after losing my parents, I didn't go back to therapy until like about three years later because not only do I have to deal with like the fact that I have like these unresolved dead parent issues, but then I just have to deal with the fact that I was in an abusive relationship and I have to regain my confidence and like self-respect back. So that's why I went to therapy um, after all of that because like I sort of should have been in therapy that whole time, but I just was not paying attention to myself. I lost my parents. I lost myself in that relationship. And then when I went back to therapy, I went back very consistently and I went back because I had to rebuild who I was, who I am now today. I got that person back by like being very vulnerable and open and it took a lot to process. So I remember being on the train and just thinking like, I am not full. I felt very incomplete without the learnings that I had to get from my parents. I didn't get the chance for my father to tell me how to, you know, manage my money. I, I didn't get the chance to have my mother tell me how to deal with boys who like hurt my feelings. I didn't get the chance to have parents, you know, tell you the things that you need to hear in order to like keep it going. Like I had to figure that out for myself. I had to like really be my own parent. Like I was hard, I was so hard on myself. Oh my God, you would think that I was... My like, I think that I was like the strictest parents I ever had. They were I, I was more strict on myself than my parents ever had been. For the rest of my life, I have to deal without with with not having my parents there for me for certain big events, and I'm going to feel those feelings for it, and that is okay. It's okay for me to get sad on Father's Day because I don't have a father. It's okay. Like I can stay home and eat cookies and eat my feelings and stuff. It is okay for that one day to not be okay. Because what with me having such a strong face, I thought that I had to be perfect at all times. But no, it's okay for you to not be okay. <sighs> this is the thing. I'm, I'm going to be 30 in next week. So it's very symbolic that I'm doing this at this time. It's been 12 years without them. 
I not a day goes by that I don't miss them. Um, I feel like I'm at peace with both of their passings um, because they are within you. Like you carry your parents with you, like you're little versions of them, but like you're better than them because like, you know, every generation needs to like continue on. It, it needs to get better. Like my kids are probably gonna be like, the presidents of the United States in the future like you know like you you every generation your kids have to be better they have to do better because that's what progression looks like I am my mother I am my father I am the both of them like even with their duality of like my mother was like this just young like wild child my father was just this responsible man and like you know I am very much so like my father these days like and that's the one I miss I miss him more sometimes because I was just such a shitty, angsty teenager. Like, woo, me and my dad did not get along. Like, I was just so, we just had friction because we were so different. And like, but he's the one that I wanna talk to more. Like, he's the one that like, cause now I listen to jazz music. Now like, I go to jazz clubs and I just like think like, oh, he would like the song. Like. They, you, you just carry them with you. So like now, like I listen to jazz, like an old man and like, I get my oil changed perfectly and like, I do it on time and I like fill up my gas tank, even when it's at half, like I'm very much so like particular, like my father, I, ah, I just wish I could like have a joint with him one day. Like, I just wish that I could have had that experience with him and my mother, like I am a little version of her and she was everyone's favorite. like. God damn, people love my mother. Like to this day, people are just like, my family is not the same with her being gone. Like, I think that she made such an impact on certain people. Things are just not the same because she had this way. She was like brutally honest. Like she was always that friend you go to that would be like, I'm thinking about doing this. And she's like, honey, that's not a good idea. Don't do it, please don't do it. Like, and now I've become that friend. I hate to say this, but I think that with them being dead possibly made me a better person in a way like I think that having that having them not be there it made me grow up it made me be hard on myself and kill it in college I think that if they were still alive I would have been that coddled spoiled princess and I wouldn't have had to have like buck up and like figure stuff out and I think that like their passing made me stronger. It made me a stronger person. It made me more an emotionally vulnerable person. It made me empathetic. It made me understanding. It made me really, it just made me like- It made you you. It made me me, yeah. And the fact that I had to like build, because after that relationship, the fact that I had to rebuild myself up is just such a testament. Like I've learned so much. I have so much wisdom. I'm wise. I'm wise as hell. I'm like an owl, but like an owl with glasses. Like I just know so much more about life. And like, I know my parents will be proud of me. Like on both of their headstones, there's this thing. It says, uh, may the work I've done speak for me. And I think that's like a very um, truthful thing. Like, cause it does like every, you know, when you have kids, that's your mark on the world. And like, my mother would be very, I feel like she'd be very proud of me. Like, you know, having to like rebuild all that up, like I'm exactly who I wanna be. I think that they are, you know, looking down and they're just like, we did all right. Like, she's not too fucked up, she's okay. <laughs>
So I think that they are good with, I think I'm good with everything. Like, I think that they would be happy with who I am. Thank you for listening to this episode of Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead. There is a lot that did not make the final cut of this episode, including advice from Bree on what to talk to your living parents about before they pass, like their wills and their estate. It's very informative, and it will be up for free on the Patreon for this podcast at patreon.com slash deadmomcast. You can follow Bree on Instagram at breezes88, and you can follow me at Brit27Ash. The music is by Interstellar Sarah Michelle Geller. Their band camp is in the description, and the logo is by Christine Tuna. The next episode will be released on August 1st.